Houston, you're muted. <laughs> wow. You'd think, you think after like 150 episodes, I'd have this down, right? <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Puget Systems Live Q&A show. Um, I think this is our first one of the year. Um, yeah, I think so. So awesome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we have as our guest uh, today, Stephen W. Howard uh, Galad on Instagram. Galad. Galad. I, it kept coming up as Galahad, and I'm like, that's not like that. um, technical illustrator and Lego enthusiast. Uh, I'm, this is going to be a lot of fun because I'm personally um, interested and excited on both of those things, technical illustration and Lego. Uh, I'm, I wanted to mention this before the stream, but I noticed your A-Wing and shuttle in the background. I have a Millennium Falcon at home. You, you have the, the large the, one? The big one, the cube. Yeah, the big black cube. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I was a little jealous. I'm like, oh, you got the A-Wing. That's jealousy for me. But I'm like, yeah. So um, so I always like to start, um, just in case anybody doesn't already know, uh, give us a little intro of who you are and what you do. Um, so I'm Stephen Howard. I'm from California. And I am a professional 3D animator and technical illustrator for a company called Maxar. Um, I animate and illustrate satellites and spacecraft and other very space things for our marketing team and for the greater Maxar. And on the side, I am an overly obsessed uh, Lego enthusiast, and I love doing digital uh, Legos uh, yeah. when I can. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's like, okay, so that was part of what interested me and, and inspired me to invite you onto the show is the Lego side of thing. And then as I mentioned before the stream, as I started to kind of research more about who you are and what you do, I got super stoked about the technical illustration stuff because, man, cutaways and exploded views and all that kind of stuff is just super cool and interesting, even if I don't really understand what it is that's going on. It's just, it looks so cool. And so um, we'll kind of touch on that a little bit, but I definitely want to focus more on the digital Lego and, and the 3D animation and that side of the thing, uh, because that is why you have a system from us. Um, and so I, I guess let's start there. What what were you, why did you need such a hardcore system for <laughs> digital Lego. So a couple of years ago, I started getting into digital Lego because um, I didn't have too many uh, Lego out here in California. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to design um, a set idea. Um, some people may have seen it, but it's the Gemini capsule um, from NASA. And that got 10,000 supporters on Lego ideas. They didn't accept it, but it got 10,000 supporters. So that kind of opened me to the realms of digital Lego. And I was like, well, since I don't have my own enough Lego pieces at home, like, well, maybe I can explore other ideas. And so I just kept pushing and going into different contests. I had an iMac at the time, and it was semi-sufficient. If you use Bricklink Studio, the program of my my choice for digital Lego, um, you can pretty much have any machine. But I also use Cinema 4D. Um, I learned Cinema 4D from my company, Maxar, mm -hmm. and um, I just really love, love the software. I love being able to build things in 3D. And I realized I could export from Bricklink into Cinema 4D. Oh, cool. And so then I, was, I started playing around with that, but the render engine, I got introduced to Octane, mm -hmm. and IMAX just don't have the graphics cards. CUDA enabled graphic cards for, uh, mm -hmm. uh, for Octane. So then I built a Hackintosh, and it is by far the most technically challenging thing I've ever done in my life. Um, I wouldn't recommend it for most people. <laughs> <laughs> and about a year ago, Adobe forced my hand into getting a Puget because they required updating from High Sierra to, um, I think it was like Mojave. And I could do that on the, the Hackintosh, but there was a great risk of losing everything on that machine. I had like two 1080 Ti's. It was a great setup, but I just I didn't want to want to risk that. Sure. And so I reached out to Puget. Um, I know 
Puget from uh, Dustin from Smarter Every Day and uh, from Cordor Cordor Digital. Both of those I, I obsessively follow, and I was like, oh, they have Puget's and those things fly, and I can get the graphics card I want. I know at the time everyone was trying to get their hands on 3080s, mm-hmm. which I've got two in this machine, and uh, I was like, well, yeah, this is the right place. And also, like, I don't having worked on the Hackintosh, I didn't want to have to like think through things myself. Yeah. You know, I can do it, but it's exhausting. Puget has been phenomenal. Like I've had some things happen here and there and mm-hmm. the response is just like that. And you guys keep coming back and be like, is it resolved? Is it resolved? Is it still going fine? It's still going fine. It's, I can't recommend you guys enough. It's been amazing. Best computer company out there. <laughs> uh-huh. I love to hear that. Cause uh, the highlight's a good point. Uh, it's not like, it's not your job to, to, to know all that stuff, to jump through all those. Like you said, you can, but man, what a hassle. Like that's, yeah. That's I mean, it's like, it's like being a, a traditional artist, a tr- traditional painter and you don't, you don't want to have to like keep preparing your own stuff. Like that's not, you want to create or even like Lego, you know, get a Lego set. <laughs> I don't want to have to like keep trying to figure things out on my own. If I'm going to build a millennium Falcon, like, there it is have all the pieces there ready for me so yeah that's why i moved to um to puget and it's enabled me to do crazy crazier and crazier things because i always feel like i'm pushing the limit of what i can do um and now i'm trying to learn how to scale things back because i'm at the point where i always feel like the hardware should be um you shouldn't be worrying about your hardware and like the hardware fly for you but eventually you're gonna hit a wall with software and mm-hmm. i'm starting to hit the wall with my software and that's just a given like before okay. d can only process so much or after effects can only think through and process so much or photoshop etc and that's where i'm hitting my wall and i'm okay, okay. <laughs> oh, that's... but as long as the computer's running fine like then that that's a relief for me. So like I'm, when I do digital stuff, I'm doing like thirteen to thirty thousand piece builds. Wow! You bring that into Cinema 4D. That's a lot of polygons, a lot of stuff with computer to kind of <laughs> chug through. Right. Yeah. Wow, thirty thousand. That's. I wonder. Are there? I'm curious. Like, are there any shortcuts to be taken, or are these like are the the like digital models that you're making like are they like true to life, I guess. Like they're not hollow or anything. Like these are actual 30,000 individual little Lego pieces. A lot of people out there will argue like, oh, digital Lego, it's like cheating. And, you know, they won't stand up in real life. Some of the things I've built digitally, for sure, will not stand up in real life. And I know it. (laughs) Because I started as a traditional builder. Like I know how to build my own things and make sure they stand and they're strong and robust. So when I approach a digital model, I'll do that. But I will also start to remove the internals and some of the pieces. Mm. And there are some digital Lego bricks. Like if in BrickLink, say you have like a a two by six um, piece. Mm-hmm. usually they'll have the little rods on the inside and that's when you True. connect it to another one it has that friction but they also have the much older two by four piece that has no bars inside okay so i'm lately i've been considering those because then when i bring it into cinema 4d that's less polygons for it to consider sure and my renders are moving faster so yeah there's ways of thinking through of like if i'm going to build something solely digitally i'm going to first approach it like i build it in real life mm-hmm. make sure it has the right like strength and connections everything else but then i'll subtract knowing like okay well this is never going to see the light of day digitally so i'm going to remove it make it light make it efficient yeah okay that's pretty cool what so um I guess once these are created, other I guess other beyond just putting it on Instagram or whatnot, what do you do with them? So there are times where I'll build something digitally with the hopes of building it in real life. So a lot of people okay. on the in the digital Lego world will use software like BrickLink Studio or MechaBricks or the now retired Lego digital designer got retired today. <laughs> oh. um, so th- they'll use that for prototyping. Like they, 
maybe not, they don't have the bricks or they want to just test something out before they actually build in real life. Mm-hmm. One nice thing about BrickLink Studio is connected to BrickLink, so you could design something digitally and then export it to their site, and you can buy from individual sellers the pieces. And as you're building it, you can see how much it's going to cost you. <laughs> like, you look at a part and be like, oh, that's a $5 part, and that's a $3 part. I'm going to get the $3 part. Yeah. Um, so you have kind of like that advantage. So sometimes I'll do that. There are things where I want to build. I have like this um, samurai uh, head. It's kind of like the, the little uh, demon head I've got over here. Um, oh, yeah, okay. I um, I want to make a like a, a large samurai, and so I have this uh, samurai head, and I want to make the rest, but I just right now can't afford it, and I don't have the parts, so I'm just designing digitally and seeing what works, what doesn't, and then eventually I can order those parts, build in real life. So there's that aspect of it. The other is um, some of it's just Instagram, Flickr, all participate in a contest and like, oh, I got two weeks to do this contest on Lego ideas or newelementary.com. And so I'll just crank something out really fast. Instead of having to like wait to get all the parts I need, I can create something. And then the other realm that I'm going into right now, and eventually starting a YouTube channel based on it, is stylization. Um, lately, I've been really into this, uh, into the um, the show Arcane on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And the animation studio behind it, Fortiche, said something that I've been really in line with lately. Um, is that they were saying something to the effect of like 3D, a lot of people try to do realistic stuff like you see in Marvel movies or other other films. And it's still valid. Like people still should do realistic looking 3D animation. But there's this whole realm that's kind of been left. There are people who are exploring it, but it hasn't been as deeply explored. They like what uh, Fortiche was doing with like KDA or Arcane. And um, they have this kind of like merging of 2D and 3D, and it's very stylized, like Enter the Spider-Verse. Um, like that animation, that's just breathtaking. And it's exploring what can you do with 3D that hasn't really been done before or hasn't been as prominent. And I was kind of thinking along the same lines with Digital Lego is I've done realistic stuff there are people who have done realistic builds and you eventually hit a wall like you achieve something that looks realistic right. cool but that's it you can't go any further once you've achieved it it's done you can keep creating things but you can't necessarily get better you either hit the uncanny valley or you've achieved it and that's it right but as far as like a stylized look that is limitless you can no, <laughs> eat your heart out. Like just go down that road and explore and explore and explore. And so lately I've been going into that and seeing like, how can I get a more artsy look? So I've been using um, Octane and Arnold and I've been layering them on each other in After Effects. Yeah. Maybe not the most efficient way, but <laughs> it gives this really cool, cool look because Arnold has great uh, tune shaders. Octane has really great ability of... Um, light emission and i feel it's pretty fast as well um and i don't know arnold that well (laughs) um so i'm trying to like like learn all these software all at the same time and i'm just yeah i'm seeing what's possible with that and through that i'm also i'm trying to do like motion capture um i don't have a motion capture suit or anything like that so right now i'm using mixamo uh for rigs but i want to see like different animations um that can be done with it um, yeah. oh that'll be cool yeah um i suppose at this you say you're um i suppose is the channel your youtube channel ready like can i share it do you uh, so it is, the channel exists, but has nothing on it yet. Okay. <laughs> it's called Digitally Assembled. Oh, um, I love it. And uh, so it's a vacant channel on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> but okay. I, I'm currently working on my, on the first episode. And so I'm probably like two, three weeks-ish away from having that content uploaded. Nice. Um, the 
the thing that kind of pains me right now is I've screen captured almost everything. There's stuff I unfortunately didn't screen capture of my process, but what I have is already like in the 80 hour range that I'm going to have to condense into like a 15 minute episode. Wow. So like, what do I show? What do I not show? Um, yeah. Cause I want people to see like the, the process that it takes to create these uh, digital works, because often people have the um, thought with any any digital uh, medium, it's like, oh, you just you go on a computer and you click some things and it works for you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. not not really. No, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not that easy. Yeah. Can you describe some of that process? I'm curious myself how it goes from like ideation to final product. Yeah. So. Um, now eventually I'll, I'll show like a little example of what I'm working on. But um, generally my process is that I will take, I'll build something in BrickLink Studio. Okay. It's a free to download software. Um, and I'll design my model. And then I will take that and export to Mechabricks. You have the option to export as a Collada. And I don't know what happened. Either Cinema 4D or um, Bricklink changed their interpretation of Clada, so I have to use like a, a FBX converter um, for that file. But I export to Mechabricks because they interpret the files better when they export from Mechabricks. The only only pain point is whenever I export to Mechabricks, they don't have all the parts that Bricklink Studio has. Okay. So I have to say, like, it's a 2,000-piece model. There's probably, like, 10 pieces that I still have to export from BrickLink to a Collada file that has to be converted to FBX. Oh, wow. <laughs> so all these, like, Jeez. weird steps. It also sucks whenever I bring it into uh, to Mechabricks, the, um, the accesses on some objects are flipped. So I have to like make sure I know my model really well and find all the pieces that've been flipped. I can always do it in Cinema 40 and I can turn around, but it doesn't have like that snapping feature. Like Cinema 40 is more of your 3D software. Right. Mechabricks and Bricklink are more of your kind of CAD software. It's not like CAD designing, but it, it feels like a CAD software. And so I will bring that to their um, export to Cinema 4D and then I have to scale. They come at different scales from each other, so I have to like try and scale the parts just right. Oh wow! And then I got to retexture it. And there's this great website out there by Ryan Howarder, I think his name is. He's actually compiled every single color Lego has ever produced with their hex codes, RGB, CMYK, all the different naming, like nomenclature from BrickLink, nomenclature from Lego, nomenclature from other places. So I have this whole list, and I love having that hex code because then I can just go into, like if I'm in Octane, I can make a diffuse or a glossy material, and I can just click, put in the hex code for the color, done there's my my material i can add some scratches and other like detail to that and i can attach the material to uh, each of those bricks and then from there i will like for what i'm doing now i'm using espresso to animate some of the eyes and the hair um then i'm using um i i build it from start to finish if i'm building like a figure and it's going solely going to exist in 3D um, space. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that it's going to match a Mixamo rig. So the skeleton okay. of a Mixamo rig. I want to make sure that um, I'm not going to have major collisions. I think I have solutions around not having collisions in the future with uh, collision dynamics. Right now, don't want to venture there. <laughs> too many things <laughs> going on to figure out. And so... Like the figure that I've got, um, I know some people have seen before. I made uh, Clint uh, Clinton Jones, who's a yeah. reporter. Mm-hmm. I made an animated figure of him, and so I'm kind of using that same sort of like their gaps between his like chest and his um, torso, um, just so that you no, know, they're hard bricks. I don't want to have collisions with each other. Um, oh, sure. 
like where they might like pass through each other physically or something like this weird. It still happens, but you don't see it. So I try to have anything that's visible not collide with each other. Um, and in okay. the future, I want to avoid all like bricks colliding with each other, unless I want them to like you know fall apart and go everywhere. Um, so I'll do that. Do that, and I'll a rig um, basically uh, sort of constrain it to an animated rig and use a, a ghost animated rig to animate my figure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically have two rigs, uh, my animated rig and my T pose rig. And okay. every part is constrained to my rig and then uh, to the animated rig. And then I will render that out. I'll use grayscale gorilla plugins because who wants to spend hours and hours trying to figure out how to light something when you can use their light kits and adjust from there. Um, So I'll use, I'll use their plugins, saves tons of time and then I'll render it out. Uh, In the case of the thing I'm working on now, I'm using both Arnold and Octane. Right. Give my look. And then I will render them out as PNGs because I've discovered in the past, if you render as MP4 and it crashes, your file's gone. But if you render as PNGs, then you can take that whole PNG sequence into After Effects, and if it crashes at any point, and the not the computer's not going to crash, but Octane will crash, because Octane is touchy. <laughs> Sorry, Octane. <laughs> but um, if it crashes, then I can just restart on the frame that it crashed, and then take oh, those nice. extra frames... And then um, I learned it from my my coworker. It was brilliant. And I was like, "This is, you know, props to Moose if you're listening. Props to you for suggesting uh, that." Uh, <laughs> that helps um, make sure when crashes happen, I still have my file. And so then you can just import the sequence of PNGs into After Effects and do all the the jazz there. Nice. And then that's my my finished project. So yeah, a lot. Yeah, you see, they're a little like you know, like either. But I'm just doing all those things to yeah. achieve this. Wow, all that man, a lot of hoops. It seems a little. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is. It's what you got to do to get the job done. But you think you'd think that these things would all play together a little bit more nicely. The, there is a way. So. Um, and I, I often suggest this to people who are just starting out in 3D. Mm-hmm. Do Blender. Blender is free. And if you have, like, just beginning to understand 3D, go with Blender. It's perfect, especially if you want to do digital Lego. You can go from Mechabricks, and Mechabricks is integrated into Blender. Those two are friends. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> They're friends. But... As someone who is familiar with Adobe products, I originally started out with, um, so I learned 3D on my job uh, about Mm -hmm. 2014. uh, I went from doing 2D illustration to, hey, we need to have you expand into some of the 3D animation. Started with this program called Strata. Most people don't know it. It's (laughs) very limited, very antiquated. Uh, Hate it. (laughs) And I... I suggested my team getting Cinema 40 because I saw some other technical illustrators out in the field using it. And one of the companies we were partnered with at the time was using it. And so I eventually convinced my team to get Cinema 40, learned it on the job. There there are some stressful moments where my manager would come over to me and be like, hey, Steven, we have a a robotics animation um, that this customer needs in two weeks. I'm like, I don't know how to do rigging. Yeah. So you have two weeks. And so I would have to learn. And another reason why I went with uh, Cinema 4D is there was so much material on YouTube that I could learn the software from that. Even to this day, I think it has some of the most amount of tutorials out there. Blender is probably catching up. Um, But that's... I enjoyed the software because of all the resources to learn it. And it was to this day, I still think it's one of the most intuitive 3D softwares out there. Oh, cool. That makes, helps a lot. Yeah, it makes sense. Blender, I know Blender's improved their UI, but I still hate it. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're familiar with Cinema 4D or Maya or gosh, 3DS Max, if you're even there, you'll understand what I mean by like, if you open Blender, you're like, where is everything? Why is it this way? Mm-hmm. And that's the 
prohibitor for me touching blender i've tried i've tried many times and i just get so frustrated that i just like i'm not gonna bother Mm -hmm. there are other things i want to do like i want to learn unreal and so i'm going to dedicate my time to learning that instead of trying to learn this program that it's you know it's um what's, what's that term for like the uh it's it's free and other people are contributing to it open source Open source, yeah, it's one of those open source things, and that's tends to be the disadvantage of open source. Is UI is not great on open source platform. Yeah, um, that's that, to be fair, and I, I think Blender is amazing. So if you're listening, and you're just starting out, and you want to get into digital Lego, and you want to go beyond what Bricklink can afford you, do uh, Blender because nice. you'll get awesome things, and it'll be way easier, and it's more integrated. Um, but if you're insane like me, uh, then <laughs> you have to teach you how to go through the, the method of uh, getting to some 40 with digital echo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's pretty cool. Man. Um, oh, man. I had, I'm, I'm curious about the technical illustration side, too. Um, yeah. So I guess as a... Um, I, t- I try to avoid the whole like how did you get started sort of questions, but I am I am genuinely curious. Like, it, it, were you just kind of one of those artsy kids from the beginning, or? Yeah, so I've I've always been uh, artsy. Like originally, I wanted to work for the Lego company. Um, that was like my dream job. But then I realized how difficult it was to get the job and how little they would pay you. That I was like, no. There's, I, I pursued an art career. I went to Academy of Art from 2006 to 2010. And then uh, during that time, I remember going to Barnes & Nobles when it was still in San Francisco. And I saw the book on the shelf and I was like, oh, this, this is it. This is what I want to pursue. Because I was considering doing uh, concept art and narrative, uh, narrative storytelling or narrative illustration. And... It, that was super competitive. All my friends were phenomenal. My classmates have been working on Disney movies and working for um, like the Doom Eternal game. Like they're phenomenal artists. I just could not match their skill. Yeah. Um, but this book I saw on the shelf was the Star Wars cutaway and cross sections by Hans Jensen and Richard Chase Moore. Um, I think and, I had that one actually. Uh, yeah. I remember growing up as a little kid. I didn't want to read. I wanted to look at the, um, I wanted to look at the the books and, and just see how things work, see the inside. I'm like, Oh, this is amazing. And so when I saw that on the shelf, I was like, this is what I want to do. And especially in the book, it, they showed their process, how they made their illustrations. I was like, okay, I, I want to do, how do they get, you know, how do they get this job? I want to do that as my career. So I reached out to them and I started reaching out to uh, other technical illustrators through technicalillustrators.org. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, because Academy of Art was, it's a phenomenal school, teaches great uh, illustration and other courses. But as far as like technical illustration, they didn't know how to teach me that. So I had to self-learn it, which I think is a good thing as an artist. Because if you like, if you have that motivation, that drive, then you're potentially going to get really good at it because you know, no one's teaching you. You're going to go for it and you're going to learn how to do it. So yeah, I had to reach out and I had to start doing stuff on my own and figuring out how people did that. So I started out with like Adobe illustrator and uh, I got, I had like a freelance job where I did these um, like a satellite dish. And I think that's the main reason my current company contacted me maxar it was ssl at the time space systems Laurel, but now it's called maxar they reached out to me because uh, they had an open position and it's probably because i had a satellite dish illustration <laughs> as technical illustrator but i got the job and i've been working since 2012 um wow. yeah no how about, so uh, sometimes when it comes to um the sort of higher technical sort of things. Um, as an example, the the famous turbo encabulator video. Do you know what I mean? You know what oh yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when you're when you you're in those sorts of positions, you don't always fully understand what it is you're like from the engineering side of things. Is that kind of how, or do you really need to have a good feel for? Like you, the, you don't need to have a complete understanding of how things work, mm-hmm. but as a technical illustrator, it is 
very important to understand things. There is a sort of a guidebook to technical illustration by Greg Markson, Maxson, something like that. Um, and in the very beginning paragraph, I remember it was saying like, you know, you could be a technical illustrator showing how to operate a nuclear power plant, or you could be showing how to disarm a bomb. And how you draw that could lead to millions of people's lives. In my case, it's not going to lead to death, <laughs> but it will lead to potentially millions of dollars lost. Um, like, I always want to say, like, never, never lessen the impact your art can have um, because there have been moments at my company where like my, sometimes my art is just there and they're mo mostly concerned with all the technical data that they're reading for a proposal for a satellite or a spacecraft. But there have been a few times where the client has communicated to proposal manager and they came back to me to say, yeah, one of the main reasons we went with this is because the art sold us the idea. Like we saw what you were, what your company was going for because of the art. And I was like, great. I feel, you know, I, I feel validated. Um, but it, it has impact. There are times where I was working on a spacecraft um, and I was like, oh, this part doesn't seem quite where it needs to be. It just doesn't seem right. Like, why, why would this be here? And then I'd contact the engineer and like, yeah, no, that's right. Thanks for catching that. Because like they're, they're dealing with like hundreds and thousands of parts. Sure. So, of course, you know, we all have like little areas we might miss something. And that's why we all work together to like make sure the product is really well, you know, put together and presented but yeah there have been moments where i'm like oh, maybe we should uh should this be here or do you guys want to show this side like i'll understand i have to understand some of the uh, spacecraft technology because i'm like oh you you don't want to show that all right so i'll make sure i'll rotate the spacecraft when i render it out so that publicly facing we're not showing something we're not supposed to um, so the cu customer is ha satisfied and happy, or we're meeting uh, ITAR, International Trade and Arms Regulation oh. Agreements. Yeah. Yeah, some of the work I do falls under ITAR and NDA and other things like that. So, you know. <laughs> you going to get a knock on the door here from somebody? <laughs> no, it'll be all right. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, do you find that do you find that both both your Lego and your tech and your work kind of feed each other? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean, you can kind of see I have a deep passion for <laughs> for yeah, yeah. space. Um so that enthusiasm is there for like with um then i'll build some space related lego things but also it's just the uh i just have that sort of detailed eye and detailed mind and um like one of my coworkers kind of called me out. I was like, no wonder all your 3D projects are always so like intense and have so many layers. Because like when it comes to Lego, like I'm thinking through every individual piece and putting it to, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I sometimes struggle for like the overall picture because I'm like every every little piece matters. And like so lately, I've been trying to figure out like how can I be more efficient in everything I do, even technical illustration. How can I be more efficient? Lego. How can I be more efficient? Yeah, I mean, looking at some of your your illustrations and stuff, or the in particular the Lego stuff. I'm looking at your Flickr right now, and it it makes sense. You know what I mean? You look at it and like it all looks, and this is probably because of the, in part because of the software you use, but like it all looks like stuff that you could actually make. Yeah, for the most part, is weird or, or like oh that doesn't make sense. They don't make curvy bits or anything. Oh uh, no, so yeah, that's the that's one of the things I I make sure to stick to is um, another friend I have in Australia who does digital Lego. He and I, one of the things like really gets on our nerves is uh, collisions. We've seen mm -hmm. some people in the digital community where they'll have like one piece colliding through another piece, and like you just you can't you can't do that. Yeah, and like so whenever I'm trying to do something, I, I think of it as any medium, there are restrictions. Now, if you're doing an oil painting, you have restrictions in oil painting. If you're doing uh, you know, a pen and ink drawing, you're restricted to your medium to a degree, or it's a sculpting medium. Now you have clay, okay, sure. well, that's all you've got. You can make the clay however you want, but that's all you got to work with. You have this ball of clay, that's it. So like with Lego, it's this kind of restricting medium that sure I might color a brick that doesn't come in a color. Um, you know, maybe it's like a, 
uh, a two by four slope and it only comes mm -hmm. in like six different colors, but I'm choosing to put in a different color, but I will still make sure that it's going to be a color that Lego produces. I'm never going to go outside that bound. Okay. I'm gonna make sure it is something, even if I'm stylizing it, I still want it to main or retain that, um, the hex code of that color that Lego produces. Yeah. So maybe it never came in pink. Maybe they never produced it in uh, that pink. But I'm going to put it in pink. Why not? But, it, like, but it's Lego pink. It's like it's there. Yeah. And uh -huh. with that, some people for like uh, Lego ideas, like when I made my Gemini uh, submission, they didn't have a dish that was in their gold color. Okay. But the back of Gemini has that gold foil. Mm -hmm. And so I suggested, hey, no, why not have that as gold? If they produced the set, they probably would have gone with a gold color and they've done that for some people where they now produce you know somebody submits an idea they really like the idea and they decide to produce um say like the um like the sonic the hedgehog is one that just came out mm -hmm. you know i don't know if that's the case but like maybe there was a color in there suggested and like i was like yeah we can make that part in blue now like that's you wouldn't have that ability if you didn't have a digital software. I mean, people could like paint the brick, but you know, right. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am a I'm a Lego purist to a degree. <laughs> sure. Yeah, uh, I'm curious. Um, are you excited for anything coming in the future? That um, those terms of software, hardware, or tools that you play around in? I, I'm really excited for what unreal uh, can afford me i i'm hoping to explore i know it's a daunting software to kind of get into but uh i'm wanting to explore it for work but also for personal so seeing like a virtual uh, lego environment would be pretty cool and then um one day one day i want to afford a rococo suit Gee. yeah but, you know, I don't have an extra 2,500 laying around right yeah. now. <laughs> but oh, if man. I get a Rococo suit, because right now I'm, I'm relying on uh, Mixamo to rig or the uh, Cinema 4D um, rigs. Mm -hmm. And I don't have uh, an iPhone that can, you know, with a LiDAR that can capture the, the uh, do some motion capture. So a, a Rococo suit would be amazing. Or... Even even the uh, Maxar uh, Maxon moves, um, they'd be nice to have because uh, then I can I can create more Lego fi uh, figures in the future and have um, you know do my own animation. I don't have to rely on someone else's uh, existing rig. <laughs> yeah, but like I have I have some really cool projects planned in the future. Um, like there's one I have with so I've done. Uh, 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 why am I forgetting his name now? Um, Clint. Uh, I did a Clint mm, yeah. animation a while back. And the one of the people who inspired me the most, um, mostly because of the pain points, was uh, Ren Weichman from Florida. Yeah. Huh? So, Ren, if you're listening, <laughs> hit me up. Um, there's, uh, I remember he worked on years ago. He had this um, the Midas Touch uh, Lego video where... Um, whenever like I think it was like Nico would touch or Sam would touch something mm -hmm. and oh yeah Sam would touch like a table and it would turn to Lego or he'd touch a car and turn Lego and eventually he touches Nico and then Nico would, like dies. Yeah. Um, I remember like my it, I've always watched Corridor digital videos from the very start, but then I mm -hmm. watched uh Corridor Crew. My intro to Corridor Crew was when Ren was having the hardest time rendering the uh the bmw out of lego i think it was bmw but it was a car um and just kept crashing on him kept crashing on him. and i was like oh i can relate to you so well <laughs> um and i started watching them since then for quarter crew nice. and so i have this like uh lego project plan I have ren as one of these large brick built figures riding a one wheel oh, and i cool. want to have him like eventually hit a bump and just crash and go into a bunch of pieces because oh, then that, that way i can learn like collision dynamics um that's one of the thing as like a self-taught 3d artist i'm always learning how to do things how to do it more efficiently how to do different things um in general i'm a like 3d generalist there are like sure. 3d artists who will do like just lighting or just uh texturing or just modeling 
but for my line of work and for my personal stuff, I have to do it all. And so oh, yeah. um, there are areas that I want to like learn, like collision dynamics. And so my project that I have planned for Ren will be my collision dynamics kind of crash course, <laughs> crash course. Yeah. Um, so eventually it'll be like maybe my third or my fourth planned uh, YouTube video. So a couple months from now. <laughs> right on. Yeah. 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 Um, I wonder how I'm now that you're thinking about now that I'm thinking about, it, I wonder how some of that was done. Um, Cause again, I'm, I'm fairly ignorant of this. I'm kind of audience surrogate in a way. Like, um, yeah. like, is that a trap code thing for the physics of how like they're bouncing around or, or falling apart? Or um, I know that there's other plugins and, and tools that kind of attach to like cinema 4d and whatnot to, yeah. you know, so like a building will collapse appropriately or, or, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm like natively cinema 4d, I think it has stuff, but it's, it is limited. Right. Um, where if you want to go further, you have things like Houdini, if you're a madman and want to learn that, <laughs> um, or X particles. And mm-hmm. I want to get X particles, but like the, the price of getting X particles. So like, those are my like, wish list is like rococo suit and x particles yeah um because yeah i definitely i definitely want to get into that um but i mean x particles is not just like the the physics you can do other really cool effects so often i'm like looking it's like when i'm looking at a new lego set i'm just drooling over it i'm like oh i want it so badly but <laughs> I can't afford it. No, the new uh, Lego ATAT UCS set. Oh, yes, hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. I'm never gonna have that. <laughs> I was I was lucky enough the the Millennium Falcon I mentioned it, it was a gift, and I I admit I haven't opened it or put it together. It just it it's kind of there. I I kind of. I'm halfway between whether I actually want to put it together or if I want to like keep it for 20 years and like see if it's like a real collector's item. Um, but I also don't have, man, I'm so jealous that you have like the cool spot to like display all of that stuff. And, and the, the thing's like three feet long. There's, I have nowhere in the house that I could put it. No. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Eventually you run out of, out of places to, to put stuff. Um, yeah. and I have like a, this display uh, thing behind me, but I also have my own like Lego room. And that's cool. Uh, eventually, I hope to have like a Lego shed, but I, I've, where I can put both the computer and the Lego room together. But for now, I have like two separate spots. Yeah. Yeah. How did you convince your lady to uh, <laughs> let you have a Lego room? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Give me some advice on that. Because uh... <laughs> we, we got lucky when we bought this this house. I had, uh, had four bedrooms. Because I have. It's crazy. Like I have my own my own Lego space, like an eight by ten room, and then I got this studio where I have the Puget, and then I have a work computer. Uh, it's a Dell with like three GPUs. I've learned the hard way that this house does not have the electrical wiring to support two computers rendering <laughs> at the same time. I've actually tripped the power a couple times. I'm like, oh yeah. I, I can't do render farm or anything else. I can I can only one run one at a time. It's like five GPUs. It's it's a lot of power consumption. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And this room this room gets toasty. Man. Same. Just my I have just my gaming PC and if I close the the office door after about an hour it's it's like cool man it's 110 degrees in here it's crazy so you got five in one room yeah that's crazy yeah i have to say i'm i'm i really have to encourage encourage you to on your your youtube channel because um i think we're we're right in this perfect storm of um where the the 3D stuff and and uh, what do they call it? Real time 3D is becoming very very popular with all of the virtual production stuff that's been that's been blowing up for the last 18 months or so. Um, there's a lot of DIY motion capture and and 3D, um, you know, even just green screen stuff like uh, Matt Workman's doing and things like that. So I think. Um, in particular, what stands out for me is uh, this a lady that we worked with. Her name is Gabriella. Um, 
she's she's been tremendous in in motion capture um like publishing her journey of learning motion capture and, and this and that so i think there there's definitely an opportunity for you there to um almost be sponsored in a way like there are companies out there who are trying to get this stuff into the hands of that, everyday that would people. Be ideal. So. I, I have my i've seen some digital lego artists out there and i always when i look at like a social media platform what is a realistic goal like what's a, a, a number of goal i can reach um and i saw a digital lego creator out there um i think it's like ct peron or Perion. uh he has two hundred thousand subscribers so i'm like that's that's an end goal to achieve in in no short amount of time i mean like even on instagram i've got like five thousand supporters trying mm-hmm. to break through the six thousand i'm realizing you hit these different parts as a uh, like on a social media platform you realize like it takes a bit more effort to like break through yeah so like instagram i have a fifty thousand subscriber like goal like ultimate goal there's achievable goals ultimate goals but like youtube i know eventually i can get monetization so mm-hmm. that's that's something i want to do eventually down the line is but also realize that like what can i produce now because when i'm doing digital lego on the side i have my day job it's a good eight to nine hours per day that i'm putting in yeah so then and i've I got uh, two two girls under three, <laughs> so I got family commitment as well. Usually, yeah. I only get like from eight eight, 8 p.m. till uh, eleven or midnight to work on my project every night. Yeah, and I mean that's a decent amount of time, but still, like that's all I got. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's you know, I want to be able to like finance that and <laughs> but realize too like what what does it take to um you know what can i achieve now and i realized like first year probably gonna have like four videos tops but i want to get to 12 videos a year i don't think i'm ever gonna get more than like 12 videos a year because the stuff i produce takes a good month to two months or more to create yeah well you're saying 80 hours of screen capture like <laughs> yes. that's not even the voiceover work and stuff that'll have to be done and editing and all that that's just that's just the raw footage like yeah oof, crazy crazy is that something that you've had to kind of um well i guess learn too is like the video editing and whatnot yeah uh because of work no I've, i i knew i would eventually get into after effects and potentially premiere for youtube because I wanted to do YouTube at some point. Um, and thankfully, I'm now venturing into that. But because of work, um, I'm part of a multimedia um, sort of creative team in the marketing group in my company. And there are graphic designers on our team. But I'm part of the um, video and 3D animation. There's myself and another who do 3D uh, sculpting, modeling, and animating. Uh, mainly falls on me. I'm kind of like the main 3D animator for my company mm-hmm. um, and main sort of technical illustration voice. But uh, I'm having, there's four of us in the video editing realm. Okay. Three of them know it. They know it really, really well. Oh, and I, I am learning After Effects. And so often when I'm in the program, I'm like, I have no clue what I'm doing. But that's that's always a good thing. It's like, you know, my manager will hand me a project. I was like, hey, this is, I want you to work on this. This is doing a week. I don't know how to use After Effects. But then through their help and through tutorials, when you have this crash course, you like, you, and you have to get it done. And it's for your job. You learn it. Yeah. <laughs> you it. And so, yeah, I'm still still new at it. Um, but it's, it's a really sweet software. So if some of the stuff I create comes off of like, man, this guy has no idea what he's doing, you're right. <laughs> but I'm yeah. learning it. And I'm yeah. Getting better. <laughs> honestly, I think, honestly, I think like owning that goes a long way for an audience. Um, again, people like the, as much as cool as the end product is, um, I feel like people are super interested in seeing how it got to that point. Um, it's been mentioned by other creators that, um, in particular that stands out to me was a Valentina V she mentioned, um, Oh, I'll post this clip of, of like the finished thing. I did a commercial for somebody or whatever. And like, here's a blip of the, of the finished product and it'll get, you know, 1500 likes and whatever. But then like, I'll, 
I'll post this cheesy, really rough behind the scenes, like just running through the set kind of thing. And it blows up and becomes crazy. And I think it's because people, and she kind of touched on that. It was that, um, they, they kind of, people want to replicate it. They want to see how it was done so that like, oh, maybe I could try that at home. And so yeah. just owning that and like saying, hey, yeah, I stumbled through this, but you know what? I learned how to get there and like, you can too. Yeah. And you know, it's <laughs> fine to like, you know, not be the best at the beginning. Like you can make something look phenomenal, but like the file itself is like trash. I remember some of my early 3D models are like... There's one model I made that was 11 million polygons. Holy cow! And I had to reduce it because, you know, it was necessary for my team to have something lighter to use. And I got it down to, I think, uh, 17,000 polygons. That was That's... one of the most difficult things of having to, like, reduce down. And basically, I had to build it from scratch. But it wow. taught me a lot of, like, because I, I didn't have that training. I know when I was at Academy of Art, there were at friends who were learning 3D modeling and they would go through like these um, classes where the teacher's like, you, you have too many polygons, you gotta build it again, build it again. And like that would force them to know how to have the lowest number of polygons per model. I didn't have that. So I'm here just modeling like, oh, it looks pretty, but it's crashing my machine. <laughs> oh, and I learned the I learned the hard way through that. But you know, over time getting more efficient and seeing like, okay, this is and it's always good to hear like um healthy critiques from other people like there's unhealthy critiques of like oh you just suck yeah yeah <laughs> uh, ignore those but if you get healthy critiques of like hey maybe you can like i had one of my friends in australia i have my intro for my youtube channel and it's going to be redone anyway um I'm, I'm friends with uh this metal band i even did uh, a cover for the upcoming album and uh he's going to create a song for my intro which is awesome so eventually i'm going to redo my intro right now i have something like from pond five as my <laughs> intro <laughs> but I, I showed my friend in australia this and he's really into like motion graphics and that's kind of what he does for his job and he's like yeah you know you can you should cut out some of this it's like it's a little too long here and you can i was like yeah you're right and so i'm gonna i'm still gonna show what i have um yeah just because I already did it. But it's good to hear advice like that. Cause then, you know, like, you know, this person's an expert in their field and they're right. Like, yeah, I need to reduce this. Or I hear from my coworker, like as that model is way too heavy, or you're making this way too complicated, Steven. And <laughs> I think that's a hard, like, yeah, next, either on this project or on the next one, I'll try to make it more efficient. I think that's something every artist is always trying to like achieve or should be trying to achieve is how can you minimize or not, not like minimalist, but like how can you make something more efficient? Um, and it's always interesting being in this space too, of having the disciplines or trying to have the disciplines. Like you can be a sole 3d worker and not bother to label any of your layers and have just terrible layer management. And you can get away with that. And I sometimes do that. I have to admit, but when you work with a team, there's any moment like, like right now I'm on a vacation. I have to make sure my files are usable by my teammates. <laughs> they have to be able to understand without me telling them what this thing is. Like they, they can open up the file structure and be like, Oh, I get it. This is this item. This is that item. This is how it was made. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's fun. Comment your code kind of thing, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, I constantly have to work on it cause I get lazy sometimes. I'm just like, and then I opened up a file I made like three years ago and I'm like, what was I doing? <laughs> That's it. Well, no. Yeah. Like it's not just, you always got to think about the, the next person, right? It, it, cause you or might be, about, yeah, you may be that next person <laughs> yourself. You you make to, it easier for the next person. And, like that's that's something I do with digital Lego is I will like the project I'm working on now. If you see on my Instagram page, I'm doing this like it's for my YouTube channel. I'm doing this 3D animated like um, cyberpunk dude with uh, like this um, spray paint mask. Um, and just seeing how I can push the stylization and learn on my own through this um, and bring people along with the process. Um, but I'm, I'm pulling things like his body structure. Some of the parts came from the Clinton Jones Lego figure I made and okay. his pants were modified from the Ren Whiteman 
model I'm currently working on. Because I'm like, I don't want to just rebuild this. Like, this works. So yeah. why not use it? <laughs> oh, that's neat. I'm, I'm super. Which, by the way, I've, I, I think, I don't know if I mentioned it at the beginning, but part of the reason that you came on my radar was you had made a, a cool animation, Lego animation of our new logo. Yeah. Like, yeah, falling I, into place. I had to do that because when I got the Puget, I'm like, well, what's the first digital Lego project I should do on the Puget? Puget logo. Uh, and I'll, I'll post a, link, a direct link to it on your Instagram there. Because that was super cool. <laughs> it was one of the easier things to do. So <laughs> <laughs> For you, right? But that's that's really neat. Oh, wow. There, there are some, some Lego projects that I will spend hours and hours slaving away on trying to get just right. And some I've actually just let die. There, There's like... Um, <laughs> this golden mecha eagle um based on one of my classmates and friends from academy of art uh robert chu um phenomenal concept artist i was building it but then i just kept running into snags on it and i was like i i want to get to other things I'm, I'm one of those people where i have like 30 projects in my head oh yeah and I'm trying to do too much and so i eventually have to like say well what 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 has to die um mm-hmm. there's this harsh term of like killing your babies mm-hmm. and like there's moments as an artist where you have to be like this isn't working out or it's not where i want to take it and you just kind of have to let it die even if i had like thousands of people on instagram being like this is amazing i'm like i'm sorry (laughs) i'm not into this anymore um and it was just too much too much work but there are other things where like i have this um getting used to having having the point um this uh spacecraft model um that my it's based on a spacecraft my company's building actually that took 45 minutes uh to create in bricklink studio just wow. done and that's exactly what it is wow. so there's some things that are like just rush right through and other things that i'm like takes me a long time to figure out because i i'm a perfectionist i want something just just right at least in my mind i'm thinking something needs to look this way and right. like i'll just i'll work hours and hours <laughs> and my wife will, will like joke around with me like you worked eight hours and now you're gonna like work all the way until like you're but i i become obsessed with my own personal projects i'm like yeah. done. i gotta do it yeah <laughs> i have something in my mind and it has it has to be made <laughs> it's it's different when it's your own like inspiration it, it doesn't yeah. feel as as much like work when, because I run into the same kind of thing, it's you know I'll get hyper focused on something, and I get the same kind of comments. It's like you've been working on the whatever the lawnmower for like an hour and a half. What are you doing? I'm like, well, it's it's not starting the way that it should. Like when I do this thing, and it's like, does that matter? Like just go mow the lawn. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like no, it, it, it makes that no one ever sees, but like it, it matters to me, and that, that's the right. balance I always try to find. Is like no especially when you're in a social media space and it's good to have that healthy mindset before jumping into YouTube, I think, because I've heard so many YouTubers like they get, a, they get burnout is I have to be doing this for me. Like, what is that balance? Where, where is the, the healthy compromise? Yeah. Like when to know that like the people that I'm who love, like who follow my stuff and love what I produce, like, should I keep creating? stuff for them and at what point do i just still create for me like there's there's a balance there like you know where like even like george lucas with star wars there's a balance of like okay you're not listening to your fans or you need to make it for yourself like where where do you and i don't know what that line is but it's always good to be thinking about that line and so there i could be doing um like the stuff that's super popular in the lego community especially digital Lego community is star Wars. Sure. Just do star Wars. And like, I would, I would have, I'd probably have a hundred thousand followers, or whatever, by doing it. Some of my friends do, but I, that's not what interests me. Like mm-hmm. I will be creating my own, uh, my own stuff. I mean, I'll be making these giant Lego figures. Why? Because it's, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, of the philosophy of, of, do what you like to do and and it, it, it pops up in in from other industries as well like even like steve jobs and bill gates they're both in like old interviews and stuff it's like you have to love what you do to the core of your soul or 
you're going to burn out. You're just, you're going to give up. You're going to quit because it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It, yeah. um, and I, I've seen it on Twitch where somebody, oh man, I'll play a game and they blow up because they're playing whatever. And, and then when that, they're like, well, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. And then they tank because that's all they were known for. And then, but I don't know. It's, there's that, that constant pressure too, because like, I mean, I I go through periods where like I gain hundreds of followers and then I like lose, and like I I've lost. I mean, usually at the end of the year I lose quite a bit of followers, but I've lost around like 300 followers. I'm like, oh man, what, what am I doing wrong? What do I gotta do? And then I'm, then I'm like, doesn't matter. <laughs> My like ratio is down. I don't care. I'm going to create stuff that's going to be cool. And people, I, th- I think people are going to be like, whoa, this is, this is different. Like that's one of the, one of the things that comes up a lot is like, oh, digital Lego. You know, what's the, what's the point of digital Lego? Why not just make it in real life? And like, and yeah, I just, Lego I want to, <laughs> it's expensive, <laughs> it's expensive. But then, like, I'm now entering that realm that I was talking about earlier of, like, stylizing things. And and that's where I feel like your argument is invalid at that point. (laughs) Because, like, once you stylize it, like, that's something you can't do in real life. Or, I mean, and to all those haters of digital Lego, by the way, if you love the Lego movie... You gotta you gotta reconsider because that whole thing is digital. <laughs> they were not gonna spend thousands of hours doing a stop motion explosion. No <laughs> yeah, no, like come on, it, it, they did, and to their credit, they did a tremendous job of making it look like real Lego. There's like yeah, the, the, the first, astronaut thing. It's like, amazing. I first watched it and I was like, "This is an amazing stop motion." And then I was like, "Wait, is it?" I did some research and I'm like, it's 3D. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they, yeah. They, it's a, they did a really, really good job. It's all looks so cool. Yeah. Seems like digital would let you experiment much more than physical Legos would. Sure. Yeah, that, that, is, that is totally true. Um, and it, it allows you to, uh, there's this fun relationship too of where you design something digitally. And there have been moments where you design something digitally. And even in Bricklink Studio, you have the option to test, will it physically stand up? Not the most accurate tool, to be honest. Because then <laughs> you in real life, and like, no, it doesn't it doesn't actually uh, hold water. Um, but you learn through that. And it's, it's never a full substitute for the real thing. Sure. And like, you know, visual effects are never a 100% substitute for like actually just going and filming something but sometimes you just can't achieve what you want to do like even even a simple a simple scene of like a stunt or whatever like maybe that stunt is just too dangerous so you're gonna have a digital performer instead of a real performer right otherwise you could kill your stunt performer <laughs> like sometimes you need vfx for simple things and so 3d has its own has its own purpose and I'm excited of like what I can produce, but I'm also excited to see what other people like if some of the 3D digital Lego artists out there that I know, if they start exploring stylization as well, um, it, it's going to be super cool. Yeah. I'm excited. I always, I always love trying to keep an eye on, on how things progress for diff, the, the creators and stuff that I get to talk with. It's really, really cool. Um, oh, we are just a little bit over our hour. So um, as we wrap it up, um, I tried to find your digitally assembled YouTube video. Do you have the link for that? I'd like to, to share it out for folks. Um, I know you say it was empty. It's not like it's not finished and ready, to, but but for folks to be able to uh, kind of keep an eye on it and and follow your your progress, I'd, I'd like to share that out there. I did throw out your Instagram and your Flickr. Um, is there anything else as well that you'd like to shout out or thank anybody or tell anything you'd like to tell to the people out, out there? Um, <laughs> not that I can, not gonna think of. Um, yeah, I, I'm go, wondering. Go follow this, Steven on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where I'm going to have my, um, once I actually start posting to that channel, um, I think it's probably just not listed yet. Um, it exists, but it's, I don't know. It might not be public or something yet. Uh, let's see here. Cause I found your personal one. Yeah. 
I yeah, I don't think it's um oh here we go. And they uh they don't have a I don't think it's listed yet. So Oh that's okay. It's well, all good. But uh, when you follow me on Instagram, it's gonna be there and you'll I, I'm posting updates on my stories and on my on my posts. Um and anything you see on Instagram is gonna be pretty much mirrored on Flickr. Mm-hmm. Um, any finished post. Um, so you can follow me there too, but awesome. it's Instagram's the place. There you go. Right on. Well, thanks very much for joining us today. I'm really, I'm, I'm personally thankful and I hope the audience enjoyed it as well. Um, this is really cool stuff. So I'm, I'm, I personally will be, uh, keeping an eye out, uh, as they say in the, what the star Wars, uh, oh, I can't remember the quote now, but <laughs> the, the Palpatine line about, watching your career with interest or something like that. I'm excited. Right. It'll be fun. So thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, <everyone. laughs> yeah. And I always like to thank the audience as well for joining us. Uh, we do this on uh, every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Pacific. We bring in uh, external experts like Stephen uh, to talk about what they do and how they do it, as well as internal experts like Kelly there in the, in the chat uh, to talk about how we do things. And uh, so mark your calendars for that Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Pacific here on uh, Twitch, YouTube. And I try to put it out to LinkedIn and Twitter as well. So thank you all very much. And we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye.